32GI. Leading sports nutrition provider. Focused on health and performance. 32GI. Trusted sports nutrition advisors. Welcome to the latest edition of 32GI Sports Nutrition with myself, David Katz, Mr. Active, and Mark Wolf. Well, we're into May. It means the Comrades Marathon is just over three and a half weeks away, or just over three weeks away. A lot of excitement building, but also a lot of people still trying to decide what they're going to do with their nutrition. Mark, looking at that equation, race day is so important for people to know and have that in place. What are some of the key things that people should be already thinking about at this stage? Nutrition definitely plays probably one of the most critical roles at Comrades Marathon. And uh, I think with three and a half weeks to go to Comrades, you should have your nutrition pretty much down packed. It would be a shame if you haven't really thought about it. And if you haven't, you really need to start thinking about it very seriously. Uh, it's a very long event. It's many, many hours on the road. And uh, I always call these events war of attrition, but it's actually a war of nutrition. So the most important thing is obviously the week leading up to the event. We are going to be doing a separate podcast on uh, tapering nutrition. Uh, that will be two weeks before Comrade, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, let's focus on, uh, say, the 24 hours before the event, uh, the morning of the event, and actually on the day, w what you should be planning in your head and, and how you should be structuring your nutrition for the day. So firstly, let's talk about the day before the event. I mean, obviously, you should be hydrating sufficiently. You can never get to an event um, such as, as long as Comrades and, and, and not be properly hydrated at the start. So, so drinking fluid uh, throughout the day is obviously something that's quite critical. Not to overdrink, but to obviously drink a, a sufficient amount that you are properly hydrated. Um, a lot of people like to generally tend to overeat uh, carbohydrates the day before the event in, in order to try and carbo-load, but there's absolutely no major necessity to do this. All you're going to do is you're going to just put on more weight or, or store more weight. And the problem is, is that when you're running so many thousands and thousands of steps on Comrades Day, the last thing you want to be doing is running those thousands of steps on, uh, on, a, on a few extra hundred grams or, or even kilograms. So there's no need to overeat. Um, I would say that you could increase the size of your lunchtime meal slightly and by adding in some carbohydrates there, depending on what kind of, obviously, uh, nutrition plan you follow. At Comrades, you get plenty of people that are low-carb, high-fat eaters, high-carb, low-fat eaters, um, paleo eaters, etc. So you've got to actually um, look at what your nutrition plan is, what kind of an eater you are, and structure your meals accordingly. The night before the event, I would never eat something that's quite heavy. And the reason being for this is that the night before the event, you really need to focus on sleep. Overeating is just going to cause a lot of discomfort. You've got pre-race nerves to add to that. You're going to lie in bed. You're going to be completely uh, uh, uncomfortable um, while the food's trying to digest. And with the pre-race nerves thrown into that, and if you've overhydrated, you're going to be running backwards and forwards to the loo. You're going to be tossing and turning, and it's the last thing that you want to have to have happen to you the night before Comrades Marathon. What you need to be doing is you need to be focusing on sleep, to be calm and focusing on sleep as much as possible because you really, really need it. So having a very small meal before you go to sleep at night is absolutely perfect. Um, there's a lot of people that I work with in the nutrition space and uh, a lot of athletes. Some will have uh, um, some eggs on toast, some might have a chicken salad, some might have uh, a, a small little bowl of pasta, with an easily digestible protein rather with chicken as opposed to heavy meat 
but really keeping the meal very easily digestible and, and quite light. Um, and obviously, um, don't overhydrate before you go to sleep because that also bloats you and loads you. The most important meal that you can possibly be focusing on is the morning of the event, and that's what we're going to get to next. So you wake up in the morning, and uh, you need to, first of all, determine that meal volume and the type of meal that you're going to eat prior to comrades based on how many hours before the event you actually have the ability to eat. And generally, I would recommend consuming something at least two hours before the start of the event. Uh, a lot of people have to travel quite a fair amount of distance to the event, so sometimes you'd have to look at a, a convenient option of taking food with you to make sure that it's two hours before. And uh, if it is two hours before, we look at a meal that's around probably anywhere around 350 to 400 calories or maybe slightly more, but, but that's more than sufficient. And that meal should be a meal that's uh, pretty substantial. Um, there's a lot of athletes that have various different choices when it comes to meal selection. Uh, I know, for example, if, if we look at Caroline Vossman, Caroline likes to eat bananas before she starts a, a run, so there's, nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, and then uh, I've got some athletes that like to have banana and uh, peanut butter or nut butter on rye bread or on toast. Uh, we've got people that uh, Jody and James were actually interviewed recently. They, they're not doing comrades, but they're Ironman athletes and uh, top triathletes, and they try and reduce their fiber intake as much as possible before an event. Uh, you can go and listen to that podcast as well. And uh, basically, they would look at something like uh, a rice or a rice pudding, uh, which is very low in fiber, so a, a white rice in actual fat. So I think you need to see um, that meal needs to, to really be uh, selected on, 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 on what's comfortable for you from a digestive perspective um, and what's going to give you some, substan some substantial fuel for the beginning of that event. Because even when you're not running, you know, getting to the event and, and gaining two hours later, you are burning off calories. You want to definitely top up those fuel stores. They will come into play later. And generally, a lot of people only start eating once they're more in an aerobic zone in the event, once the engine's actually warmed up. So if you only have the ability to eat about uh, an hour before, then reduce the size of the meal. Drop it down to 200 calories. You don't want to be running with a heavy stomach. You definitely don't want to have any signs of discomfort. Um, and one thing I can honestly say is do not try anything new on race day. And I'm talking about the pre-race meal now on race day. I have had athletes in the past, they know they're lactose intolerant, yet they take in milk or they take in some form of dairy product which causes stomach issues. Uh, make sure that you do have your pre-race meal planned long before. It would be good to try it out in some runs, uh, before some runs, and uh, and make sure that you are comfortable with what you're utilizing. Uh, I, I definitely wouldn't recommend trying anything new. Uh, and definitely, a, a, I, would, I would say for most people, uh, even if you're not lactose intolerant, avoid those fast digesting products uh, like the dairy, etc. And, and uh, avoid high fiber products, anything that's going to affect the bowels in a negative way. There's no need to overhydrate. There's plenty of water points on Comrade's route. And, um, and that would be absolutely perfect. Uh, we do have some uh, meal options on the 32GR website. Uh, you can, you're welcome to go there and have a look. And uh, we've also got some uh, smoothie options as well. Uh, if you are traveling uh, down for the event, make sure that you do take your food with. You don't necessarily only rely on a hotel unless that hotel has got the, the food that you would, uh, would require uh, prior to your event. Mark, if I can just jump in there, I want to ask you more sort of about race day. And, and I mean, you've touched on some great points that trying nothing new is something everyone knows. But as you say, some people fall into that trap still, despite that knowledge. But 
Looking at other things like uh, the likes of caffeine, a lot of people short distance, it has big benefits. For something like the comrades, what kind of benefit would something like caffeine have? And another one, I don't think people are aware of the danger is on the route. If you start getting a bit into a bit of pain, a lot of people pop pain pills, which uh, can be very dangerous. So I think let me let me start with the caffeine. Uh, I think you should try and reduce stimulants uh, the week before the event. Obviously, if you're a very big coffee drinker, um, you know to cut down the amount of caffeine that you take in uh, significantly uh, too quickly, it, it forces you to go cold turkey, and in actual fact, it stresses you out far more. So I would just say uh, if you are going to reduce uh, caffeine intake uh, prior to the event, rather start a couple of weeks before because caffeine definitely does have a benefit. Um, so there's a number of benefits to caffeine. Uh, I think the first, the first one that I quite like, and this is why I take caffeine actually prior to uh, uh, long endurance events, is that it does, it does assist in freeing up a lot of free fatty acids, which basically brings a, some, a nice amount of fuel to the forefront, which can be utilized during the event. Uh, the second thing that caffeine does is it obviously it wakes up the brain. So by waking up the brain during an event, uh, I mean especially a, an event where you you fatigue, and it's not just physical fatigue, it's mental fatigue as well, uh, it does keep you going. I'm a big fan of caffeine. Uh, for example, I, I limit my coffee intake to maybe six, five to seven cups a week, um, depending on how I'm feeling. So I don't, I'm not an excessive drinker. Uh, when I do do uh, testing as far as uh, nutrition goes uh, during training, uh, I only utilize it in my long sessions and I see what my response is to caffeine. But I can take in uh, anywhere around uh, about 400 to 500 milligrams of caffeine in, 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 a, in a five to six hour session. And, and generally I like the caffeine intake to be frequent. Some people like to only take it when they want that wake up, when they're feeling a bit uh, fatigued later on. I think it depends on the intensity that you're performing at. If you're performing at a fairly high intensity, possibly you would want caffeine more regularly. And I see that with our elite athletes. Our elite athletes that are running consume our caffeine shots quite regularly. They like it and they start consuming it uh, on a 30-minute to an hourly basis. And it is a frequent feed all the way to the finish. Uh, some athletes might only take it in the second half or towards the end when they really need that wake-up. I would just... Uh, I wouldn't obviously consume any caffeine the day before the event. Again, it does uh, stimulate you and it obviously impacts uh, your sleeping patterns uh, the night before the event when you actually need to focus on sleep. Uh, the only other caffeine, the benefit that caffeine has is, is actually post-exercise. It actually does help speed up glycogen replenishment with, when consumed with a complex carbohydrate. Um, but again, we're talking about uh, pre-race and the actual race itself. What is recommended pre-race is generally one to two milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of body weight if you really want to free up a nice free uh, amount of free fatty acids. Um, and that would generally be three to four hours before the event. So the problem is is that most people don't wake up three to four hours before the event. So you don't want to take in an excessive amount of caffeine because it can act as a diuretic uh, in some people. And uh, the last thing you want to do is dehydrate yourself prior to the event. So taking it obviously... Uh, way in advance will allow you to still uh, rehydrate uh, before you go into the event. Um, on your second question, which is NSARDs, uh, which are non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, um, I've got a huge problem when I see people taking these during any event, and it is a, a huge health risk. It, absolutely under no circumstances should anybody ever be taking painkillers while they're doing an endurance event. A lot of people say it works for them and it numbs the pain, etc. My personal opinion, if you can't handle the pain, you shouldn't be doing the event. I mean, that's what we train for. It's hard work. 
you are putting your life at risk by taking these non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. I do know many people who have taken NSAIDs, even some safely for a few years where they've had no issues, then suddenly kidney failure or kidney issues. And the problem is, is that once that happens, it's just too late. So really, really um, shouldn't be taken. I also know many athletes that have caused tendon ruptures uh, by taking them uh, during events as well. And one other thing as well is that uh, taking an anti-inflammatory during an event, a lot of people don't realize this, but it actually breaks down the protective barrier of the skin, which means that you don't actually have any natural sun protection. And that can actually cause severe burns. Again, you're putting yourself at a risk for skin cancer. Is it worth it? Absolutely not. Again, I just stress, if you can't handle the pain, then don't even do the event. There's no need to take uh, um, anti-inflammatories and painkillers. Now, Mark, cramping is something that, that happens to a lot of endurance athletes. Comrades being that far, it doesn't matter how much you've trained, at some point a lot of people battle with cramping. From a diet, from a hydration and nutritional point of view, what are some of the things you can try do to sort of keep it at bay for as long as possible? Well, I think first let's, let's talk about what triggers cramping. And, and look, some people are crampers and some people um, are, are crampers because they're doing something wrong. But... If we, if we have a look at the main cause of cramping, it is under-trained or under-conditioned muscles. And the biggest problem is, is that, I'll use a simple example, an athlete does a, a, a he's training for an endurance event, like Comrades. Um, Comrades is a, an event with lots of hills, lots of climbs, ups and downs. It's amazing. On the down run, there are plenty of climbing in the first 50 kilometers. And the thing is, is that an athlete might not do sufficient hill work. If you haven't done sufficient hill work and conditioned the muscles for hills, well, you're actually increasing the risk of cramping. Why? Because you're going to overstress muscles, which haven't been used in training. You're going to actually overstress them during the race, and that's going to actually trigger cramps. So that, that overstress, that overuse of, that, of those muscles is going to cause a problem. The second thing is, is that, um, and I'm talking uphill repeats and downhill repeats, by the way. So the second thing is, is... Uh, is obviously uh, pace. Let's look at pace. So an athlete will train. I'm just using this as an example. Let's say an athlete trains at, uh, he wants a silver medal, so he wants to run at under five minutes a kilometer. That's fine. But during his training, all he's doing is he's running at like uh, 4.20 and four minutes a kilometer. He's doing a lot of fast training. And suddenly he has to, uh, at comrades, he has to slow his pace down. There's no way you're going to run comrades marathon at the same pace as you would run a marathon. Now he slows his pace down. He's predominantly now shifting the work to different muscle fibers, and again, he increases the risk of cramping because he hasn't trained at the pace that he's going to race at. You really, really need to condition your body to the actual race, and you need to do that in training. It's the same as if you're going to run a marathon and it's a flat marathon, then you need to be doing flat work and, uh, and, and not just hill work. So, so there's a, there needs to be an holistic approach to training, and if that's done correctly, and any coach that's out there would be able to guide their athletes successfully. I think just a lot of people try it on their own and they don't understand that holistic approach to training. But if you train properly, um, you know, obviously taking all this into account, you min minimize the risks of, of cramping. Now if we look at nutrition, obviously nutrition can play a role in triggering cramping as well. Um, a lot of people look at, um, at uh, if we look at hydration uh, being a, a possible risk of cramping, yes, it can be. Uh, there's two factors that we need to take into account. I think that one of the big ones is actually overhydration. So, you know, we have electrolyte levels, and actually by con over-consuming fluid, you actually dilute those levels. 
Um, and, and basically, when you dilute your electrolyte levels, that becomes a problem. You're putting yourself at a, at a big risk as well. Not only at a big risk for, for, for cramping, but, I mean, dizziness, nausea, and even possibly hyponatremia if you really overhydrate significantly. So the thing is, is that you should always obviously practice uh, hydration during your training. One of the biggest things I always tell athletes is that comrades is you're running it from early morning until after lunchtime, most people. So when you're doing your long training runs, you do need to make sure that you're doing your long runs in the heat of the day as well. You need to be able to acclimatize to those conditions and you need to understand exactly how much fluid you should be taking in and, and, and obviously at, at what periods of time. So I think that that's also very, very critical. I always believe in, in fluid management. Don't overdo it. Don't underdo it. Try and find a balance. Um, and uh, small small sips here and there more frequently are far better, and taking in too much fluid is, is a problem. At Comrades, because of the heat and because of the time, I find that a lot of athletes actually start to cool themselves down. Instead of taking water sachets and throwing them over their heads or over their backs or trying to cool the core, um, uh, I think I believe at Comrades this year they've actually got sponges en route as well and for cooling. It's a brilliant, brilliant idea. Um, and I think it's a huge value add to the participants. But th that's the way to cool your body. I think a lot of people, when they get that cold water and they put it into their mouths and it actually goes into the body, they enjoy that sensation of cooling and it starts to cool from the inside. But you really need to take into account that you cannot cool the body by consuming fluid and putting it into the inside because once it's inside of you, that fluid is going to go through some sort of an absorption process um, and you can overhydrate by filling yourself up too much or you, and by diluting your electrolyte levels, you might be over-consuming. <clears throat> How do you know if you've over-consumed? It's very simple. You feel a washing machine effect. If you are training, you will feel a sloshing effect in your stomach. You, you're running, you're bouncing around you'll feel this fullness of water and you actually can hear it and feel it sloshing inside of you. At that stage, you should stop drinking completely. You should probably be taking in some salt to try and help with that fluid absorption or some carbs to try and help with that fluid absorption. And once you feel that sensation gone, then you can start to hydrate again. Uh, I think a lot of people have got a fear of dehydrating. And to be honest, most athletes perform um, to a certain extent of, of being dehydrated. It's not really a life-threatening risk as much as uh, hyponatremia is. And if you're consuming a, a sufficient amount of fluid, you'll never be able to replace the amount of fluid lost. But if you can at least replace a certain percentage of it, you should be actually uh, perfectly fine uh, en route. Well, really important there, as you've touched on dehydration and overhydration, more importantly, so some fantastic advice there. But looking specifically at diet, sort of what you need to be putting back from a nutritional point of view, looking at protein, carbohydrates, fat, uh, the amount of glycogen you're using, how do you keep that body going for nearly 90 kilometers? Well, that's the most important question. And if we have a look at comrades, it is definitely, without a doubt, a pace-controlled event. You are not racing at an extremely high intensity. Yes, elites run it in five and a half hours, but they do control the pace quite significantly until they need uh, to up their pace and up their intensity. So again, it becomes a war of attrition and uh, obviously energy sparing. So when you're running at a higher pace, and we've discussed this in previous podcasts, uh, at a higher intensity, you generally tend to tap into your glycogen stores a lot more. Um, however, for me, comrades is a fat-fueling event. There's no reason to spike your blood sugar and to overconsume carbohydrates en route because you definitely can tap into those fat stores and utilize them primarily as a source of energy because your pace is more controlled, you're getting more oxygen into the system, 
And it's basically a matter of utilizing the right fuel tank for that event and not the wrong one. If you're going to chew up your glycogen stores in that event, your pace is way too high. So, uh, And also glycogen only can, can see you. We've discussed this in previous podcasts. It can only see you for around 2,000 calories. Um, it's definitely not going to last you uh, a comrade's marathon. It, it is way too long for that. So fat is the main source of fuel for the day. And uh, how do we tap into that fat store and make sure that our brain is, is pretty happy en route? It's very simple. Uh, I would recommend what I call drip feeding. In other words, more frequent feeding, but uh, through smaller periods of time. So in other words, not feeding once an hour, but feeding every 20 to 30 minutes and taking in something small. Uh, you also obviously need to plan. Do you have seconds en route? Can they feed you? Or do you have to rely with, you know, with what is en route? There are bananas and potatoes en route. Um, I do believe in whole foods as, as, as definitely an addition to a fueling strategy. And some of our elites do consume it in between the other fueling strategies. And it definitely does assist. But obviously not a whole potato and a whole banana. It's obviously pieces here or there. You need to take in a, um, a certain volume. So <clears throat> if we're looking at... Uh, at a fueling strategy, I think you need to plan it uh, before the event and you definitely need to stick to it on the day. You need to know how much carbohydrates you're going to take in when and, and over what period of time. And I think that is, that is the most important thing and in what form. Are you going to be carrying them with you? Are you going to be relying at tables? At Comrades, sometimes you miss tables because it is very crowded en route and you can't always rely on the table. So maybe you do need to carry a backup with you. And... Um, as far as uh, the kind of carbohydrates you go, I would, I would recommend for most people that are running in, in, in the comrades' field is you shouldn't be taking anything that's going to spike your blood sugar excessively. The minute you do that, you actually mitigate tapping into, a fuel, into your fat stores uh, because that glucose in your system, you need to get rid of it quite quickly. And also, you will need to be feeding yourself on those products a lot more frequently. You'll be having to take them in. So if you start comrades with a gel, you need to be feeding yourself gels all the way through. You cannot stop. Um, if you're going to start off with a, a, a more stable feed, um, so whether it's potatoes or bananas and, uh, or, or carbohydrates that don't spike your blood sugar excessively, it provides far more stability. And I would say that that is far more suited to the majority of the field because they're running at a, a far more controlled pace. So time yourself. Make sure you get in the right nutrients. We do have an online coach, coach at 32 gicom uh, you're welcome to contact uh, that email address and, and uh, we, we have got the ability to assist you with your comrades' nutrition and make sure that you are on, on target for the day. Um, obviously, I'm talking about carbohydrates now. Not everybody is going to fuel themselves with carbohydrates. We do have people who are low-carb, high-fat eaters. They specifically fuel on fat. It's not a bad idea in an, an event like comrades since I mentioned it is more of a fat-fueling event. However, because they are far more used to consuming a high-fat diet and a much more low-carbohydrate diet, they are far more fat-efficient. So a carbohydrate-dependent person would need to rely on carbohydrates, but make sure you select the right amount. A more fat-efficient athlete can actually rely on fat. And there again, you're looking at more your medium-chain triglycerides, your MCTs, etc., and, and that becomes a very quickly accessible form of fat fuel for the day. Uh, one of the things that I think both, whether you're a, a low-carb, high-fat eater or a high-carb, low-fat eater, something that does need to be thrown into the mix at Comrades Marathon is protein. Um, taking in protein during a long, long endurance event is advisable. Uh, it will prevent um, catabolization of, uh, of, of protein for use as fuel. 
and uh, it actually also stabilizes the system and it keeps that hunger at bay. So what happens there is that uh, a lot of our elite athletes will actually take protein probably around between the 40 to 50 kilometer mark, possibly again between the 60 to 70 kilometer mark. Uh, a slightly more undertrained person might want to take protein in a little bit earlier. Um, you can take it in the form of a shake, but taking in protein en route will definitely, definitely make you feel a world of difference. It will help. It delays it acts as a buffer, it delays its sort of onset of muscle fatigue as well, it keeps the hunger at bay, and it just ultimately stabilizes the system. Very, very worthwhile in, in trying to incorporate that into your comrades' fueling strategy. Um, so I've just touched on a few things. Uh, we can't get into too much deal of, de- detail, obviously, because of time, but we do have that online coach facility, and you're welcome to contact us for, for more information. Mark, I just want to ask you as well, because I think it was a problem that I had with my sort of botched comrades attempt is overconsumption of sort of sugar and glucose. I had really bad nausea eventually. I, I couldn't run anymore. That is a big concern for a lot of people. That's one of the major symptoms on Comrades Day is overconsumption of sugar products. And I, I, it's not that I've got anything against sugar products. I think, you know, even if you look at potatoes and banana, if in, ultimately they break down into sugar. That's not the thing. Uh, what I'm talking about are, are, are blood glucose spiking products such as gels, etc. And definitely by overconsuming these products and not running at that pace to utilize those kinds of products you will definitely ultimately cause uh, what I call a, a buildup of a glucose concentrate in the digestive system. Uh, you won't get it out of there very quickly. And, uh, and one of the biggest problems is that it leads to uh, nausea, it leads to dizziness, it leads to actually uh, what we call GI distress, gastrointestinal distress. It is really a place, uh, it's a, you're in a world of hurt and it's not a place that you want to be in. So you rather keep it very toned down and very small. A lot of people, uh, a, a lot of the, the old runners, they used to always talk about the Coke water running. And if you think about that, it was a very, very trace amount of, of, of sugar with water. It wasn't really spiking the blood sugar significantly. It was a small amount keeping the, the blood sugar yeah, a little bit uh, elevated, but not really excessively. Remember, what goes up needs to come down. And by spiking your blood sugar, you can, you can ultimately, you can rest assured it is going to drop. So uh, by keep spiking yourself and actually not utilizing uh, what you're taking in, you, it's going, you're going to be far worse off. Uh, I think that's, that's one aspect of, of looking at it. And um, look, uh, another issue that, that we need to look at is um, that when you are taking in a, a, a concentrate like a gel, you do need to consume a certain amount of fluid with that gel. Uh, a lot of people take in gels and they don't consume enough water with those gels, unless it's obviously something like a, a, an isotonic gel where, where the gels are already pre-mixed with water. But most, uh, most gels won't be, and uh, the truth of the matter is, is that if you don't consume a minimum amount of water with those gels in order to dilute them properly uh, and get that right absorption going, you will suffer. There is no doubt. You will land up with GI distress, you will land up with a bit of a glucose overload, and you will land up feeling terrible en route. So Rather not risk it and, uh, and, and stick to, to very simple uh, 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 carbohydrates, which I feel um, have got good absorption rates and they won't spark that, uh, that blood sugar excessively. Well, if you have any questions, you can email that coach at 32gi.com. Alternatively, log on to the website 32gi.com. 
There's plenty of information on there as well. A big few weeks coming up in the lead-up. We'll have a couple of athletes on the program as well. And in two weeks' time, Mark Wolf and myself, David Katzmist Active, we will be looking at taper, looking at that last week leading up to race day. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch up with you soon. 32 GI. Leading sports nutrition provider. Focused on health and performance. 32GI. Trusted sports nutrition advisors.